Welcome to the Deeper Awareness Podcast, where we delve into the depths of our inner selves, uncovering authenticity and transformation. Join us for enlightening conversations on breathwork, self-discovery, and the profound journey within. I'm your host, Josh Perry, joined by the delightful Hannah Oxley. Let's begin. Maybe I'll start with like, just, I, I wanted to share with you guys how much it's a, it's been a gift for me to have this invitation to be here because as I went and I listened to your podcast, like it brought up a lot of introspection and I, I learned a lot about myself. And one of the things that was really helpful for me was listening to other people introduce themselves. And so people sometimes introduce themselves by what they do, their job, you know, what they get paid for, all that kind of stuff. And I wrote something in, um, in response to this, that I really appreciated learning about myself because of how you, you say, okay, so what do you do or who are you? So can I read that too? Please. Yeah. Um, I realized that like one huge part of me, I love consuming stories. I love storytelling. And I mean, like, I think back to like when I was little, some of my earliest memories were my mother reading stories to me, you know, Dr. Sue's stories. And I mean, that was bedtime. And that evolved like into so many different ways of consuming stories. Like I, I like comic books and I like uh, watching television shows and I like watching movies and I like watching plays and I love watching uh, all, all the different things that are available and how people can consume stories. Like podcasts is another way to consume stories. And I, as I was listening to your podcast, I thought about times where like when I was little, I'd have my action figures, you know, as a little boy in the room, like a He-Man figure and a Transformer or something. And I would be like creating stories and um, kind of re-narrating these stories that I had consumed. And that was a real important revelation for me in listening to your podcast and trying to understand myself is that I love stories. And I, I think I've come to understand that another thing that I really love about myself is understanding like how my brain sees the world in terms of stories. And that a lot of times my brain is telling me an unhelpful or a harmful story and so when I am aware of that and I key into that, I can re-narrate my story in a way where I feel better about myself. And so that was something that was like a really cool revelation that I had uh, listening to your podcast. And you guys have this collection of stories. Like that's what your podcast is, is like it's a collection of stories. And so in the spirit of allowing me to get to know you guys a little bit better, I want to throw out the question uh, what was a, what's a story? It could be a book, a movie, a comic book, anything that just has really resonated with you in your life. And what, what's one of your, like, if someone says, what's one of your favorite stories? It could be an actual person. It could be a fictional characters. Well, you know, what first pops into my mind um, we used to have this beautiful illustrated book of, and it was, I, I shouldn't even, because when I say beautifully illustrated, it was still black and white, but it was just like really nice details. 
of Aesop's Fables. Do you, are you familiar with Aesop's Fables? Just like little one-page stories. And that was my favorite thing as a kid. It's like listening to my mom or my grandmother reading just like one little story a night. It wasn't anything big, but there's just the lesson in each of those. And so I'm trying to think of like which one like an actual story that resonates. But that's the first thing that comes into my head is Aesop's fables. Yeah, those fables. <laughs> fables are a, a certain type of storytelling where they're kind of geared around leaving with a lesson. Like the tortoise and the hare. Yeah. Usually like a warning about life. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm trying to think of more like something that I resonate with. Like Hannah, are you a movie watcher or a TV show watcher? I or... love movies. I'm a big, like I just posted on my Instagram yesterday because I, my my boyfriend is a big movie buff and I but he had this rule he's like I don't like any movies before like 1970 or something and I was like okay well then then I can't accept you as a movie person that's a really interesting rule I know and so we I just made him watch Casablanca for the first time and of course he loved it because that's a great great one but then I one of my favorites is Rear Window Oh, rear window's great. And I don't like I'm I don't stalk my neighbors or anything, but like I just love the idea of that and how there's so many spin-offs of that. I've been reading a lot of um thriller mysteries that are all based on rear window. Like, I just love that, like the curiosity people get when they're stuck at home and have nothing else to do, but they just witness something and they get like fixated on on humans, I guess. Mm -hmm. And it's just human nature. Yeah, exactly. It is. It's about the, what's what story is going on in that one little. All you get is a glimpse of a window of your neighbor, and all like you're only seeing a very small part of their life, but you, your mind starts to create a story, and in this case, murders. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I do. I love movies. I'm a big movie watcher. Josh, what about you? What's one of your favorite stories that you resonate with? Well, I. I've thought about this and it, I feel like it's probably uh, a representation of who I am now. It, it's the evolution of me, but uh, it feels like I really, like I used to be, I used to love Seinfeld. My family would quote that. And, and that was, that was where I was at. And then now i feel like so have you ever seen the cw show 100 i haven't it's uh it's the idea i'm trying to remember the premise but they had to put a prison in space i don't know if it was i think it was like a, a spaceship and nuclear bomb went off on earth and they had to wait a certain amount of time and then they sent the hundred. I've they heard sent of a, yeah, they sent a hundred a hundred prisoners down to earth to see if it was habitable because they were like less than form of life at that point. And so it's the struggle. It's the it's the human struggle. It's the um it's the loyalty, it's the survival of the fittest, it's the um can we work together even though we don't trust any of us 
and it yeah it's just like the i i just really enjoy the human struggle and the overcoming and it you know it evolves into all this less than like the plot kind of um what's the word thins Mm -hmm. sizzles out but but that premise is really really what what i just like the depth of of humanity i was gonna say it's similar to like just the humanness of like what i like about rear window what you like Mm. about that it's that curiosity of of humankind so Mm. go ahead no i was just gonna say what what you guys were sharing reminded me of a show that my wife and I really got into years back called lost. And there's a lot of arguments about like where that show went. Like you talk to fans of the show and some people don't like where it ended, but the exploration of the show was that you meet a character and then you, they're acting a certain way and the way they're acting is very peculiar to you. And then there's often a flashback and it was in it's after the flashback, maybe several episodes later, that you understand why that character is doing what they're doing. And then it makes perfect sense to you. <laughs> and I I loved that premise mm. for that show that like this this is what we we are not on the desert island with the others, except we are on the island with the others. And we're meeting people and we're trying to figure out why do they do what they do. And if we had flashback uh episodes of their people's of these people that we're coming in contact with would be like, Oh, I, I know why they're acting that way. I get, get why they're doing that. Um, so I thought I will, we'll see if the technic technical things work here or not, but I want to play uh, a scene uh, of a show where I noticed that you guys in almost all of your episodes of the podcast talk about transitional points, right? That's where people's stories get really interesting is mm-hmm. where, I'm I'm moving from here's where I thought I was, and then through a series of experience experiences and often unpleasant experiences, there's like new learning on the other side of that. And so, of course, I thought of Doctor Strange because that's who anyone would think of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the famous surgeon, uh, very uh, accomplished, and then he is involved in an accident and loses the ability to use his hands. So he goes on this journey in order to figure out like how he's going to get his hands fixed. And in his travels, he he comes into a room and he gets to meet with someone called the ancient one. And so I wanted to watch that with you. And then you're going to tell me what you see in that scene. Okay. Mm-hmm. And if you're listening to the audio, jump on YouTube to watch this scene with us. The sanctuary of our teacher. The Ancient One. The Ancient One? What's his real name? Right. Forget everything I think I know. Sorry. Um, Thank you for... Whoa! Okay, that's a, a thing. Thank you. Hello. Oh, thank you. And thank you. Uh, thank you, Ancient One, for seeing me. You're very welcome. The Ancient One. Thank you, Master Mordo. Thank you, Master Hamir. Mr. Strange. Uh, doctor. 
actually. Well, no, not anymore, surely. Isn't that why you're here? You've undergone many procedures. Seven, right? Yeah. It's good tea. By the way, I got I pause it here just for really quick. I love how in this scene, everything that is happening is tripping him up. Mm. Right? It, everything is contrary to his expectation, it, including I, I love how the in the in the in the comic book world, again, there was a lot of angst about uh, in acting, we talk about whitewashing and like we take what was originally an Asian character in the comic books and replace it with someone that's obviously not Asian looking. But to me, that is another layer of very, something very interesting here that like I go into this Asian looking place and I don't encounter someone that is how I expect. Mm -hmm. Yes. Did you heal a man named Pangborn, paralyzed man? In a way. You helped him to walk again? Yes. How did you correct a complete C7, C8 spinal cord injury? Well, I didn't correct it. He couldn't walk. I convinced him that he could. You're not suggesting it was psychosomatic. When you reattach a severed nerve, is it you who heals it back together or the body? It's the cells. And the cells are only programmed to put themselves back together in very specific ways. Right. What if I told you that your own body could be convinced to put itself back together in all sorts of ways? You're talking about cellular regeneration. That's leading edge medical tech. Is that why you're working here without a governing medical board? I mean, just how experimental is your treatment? Quite. So you figured out a way to reprogram nerve cells to self-heal? No, Mr. Strange. I know how to reorient the spirit to better heal the body. The spirit to heal the body. <laughs> I'm gonna pause again here. Another thing I love about this scene is like Benedict Cumberbatch does such a great job at at showing the despair, <laughs> the despair, the disdain that he has for things that he doesn't understand. That you know he he has new learning ahead of him, but you know it's not possible. All right, how do we do that? Where do we start? Don't like that, Matt? Oh, no, it's, it's really good. It's just, you know, I've seen it before in gift shops. <laughs> I what like the smile. Acupuncture, great. Yeah. What about that one? It's showing me an MRI scan. I believe this. Each of those maps was drawn up by someone who could see in part, but not the whole. I spent my last dollar getting here. One way ticket and you're talking to me about healing through belief. You're a man looking at the world through a keyhole. And you've spent your whole life trying to widen that keyhole, to see more, to know more. And now on hearing that it can be widened in ways you can't imagine, you reject the possibility. No, I reject it because I do not believe in fairy tales about chakras or energy or the power of belief. There is no such thing as spirit. We are made of matter, nothing more. It's just another tiny momentary speck within an indifferent universe. You think too little of yourself. Oh, you think you see through me, do you? Well, you don't. But I see through you.
I love so many things about that. Um, I'm curious, tell me what you see. Henry, Josh, tell me, like, is there any part of your journey that that Marvel cinematic moment kind of represents? What comes to mind for you? Well, 100% for me. My, my awakening moment happened when I was very, very sick and going, I live outside Boston. So I'm around some of the best doctors. They could not heal me. I, they told me <clears throat> that I was going to have colitis for the rest of my life. And I was, you know, if this medication wasn't going to work anymore that I have to seriously consider getting a colostomy bag and like all, like they were just like, you are sick for the rest of your life kind of thing. And I remember being like, this is not my story. So I sought out a different alternative type of healing and found it. And so it was the same thing. And when I brought that information back to my, my gastroenterologist, like, oh, this is what's actually wrong with me. I actually have parasites, which you somehow overlooked, but not mad about it. I just wanted to work with her and work together. And she was like, no, there's a 0% chance that you have parasites. And I remember just being like, like, that was so maddening to me that somebody, and was, she had that energy of ben Benedict Cumberbatch, just like a, like, what kind, like, no, like, just no. Isn't showing up on her scans. Right? Exactly. We, we've taken samples. We've done all this. Like, what do you, like, there's no, you don't have that. And so I stopped going there and I went to the person who cured me of having parasites. And after, after that, after living a life of, you know, doctors are always right. Right. You know, all, all this other stuff, like just started crumbling and I got to see life through my own lens and stop seeing it through the lens of what I was supposed to, how I was supposed to heal and who I was supposed to get answers from. So all of that was, uh, I felt like I was <laughs> in that scene for sure. Josh, what about you? What do you see in that scene? Well, I love the keyhole. I love, because that was me. It, I was given in the belief system I grew up in and was raised in, it was like, just look inside of here. Here's the keyhole. Here's just look through here. And at no point did they say, take a, you know, six steps back and just view the whole thing. And it feels like that's been, when I, when I took that first step back in 2018, um, everything I knew fell apart and dissolved and crumbled. And without that keyhole to hang on to, I didn't have an identity. Which is crazy to think about how locked into that keyhole I was. And, and it, you know, it's, it's interesting that medical doctors are given the keyhole and they're like, this is it. This mm -hmm. is all, this is it. And so for her to introduce these new ideas that were outside here, that, that feels like that's been my journey where it's been instead of a 
it doesn't fit in my keyhole, it's like, oh, what if there's infinite keyholes and I was like, what would life look like if I start to explore new keyholes? Right. Like you, you've been given, you've been trying to widen this keyhole your whole life, she says. And, and when I present to you some thought that maybe you can see more, you like, you disdain me for it. I love, I love the scene of where she, she starts flipping through the book. Um, what do you think of that map? What do you think of that map? And this is very much how I see the world. Um, and it's been very helpful for me to realize that um, each religion that that is a real gift to the world presents a map. Mm. Um, but when we just look at things like maybe from that map, then we're missing something on another map. There's something that we do see in an MRI, maybe, that... Uh, a chakra map may not offer us and vice versa. And, and I love that idea. And I've, in my life, I've really benefited from not being too quick uh, to discard maps. And in fact, I, sometimes I think of maps like uh, when I was little, I watched this uh, documentary about how they would make old animation cells and how one person was in charge of the background layer and they paint a background layer and then they paint the main character over it. And then they would overlay these cells on top of each other. And, and then you get this beautiful, rich scene. And that's kind of how I see the world is that everyone that I listened to on your podcast was offering me a piece of this map that was like really, really beautiful. Do they have it in full? I don't think so. I don't have it in full. But there is something to learn in there and why are we so quick to dismiss that mm. that idea and i really benefited from having a lot of different maps in my life and so one of the things that i think of in my life when i think of a transition moment is when years ago i was i've always struggled with anxiety and depression in my life and sometimes it would the, that depression would get worse, and then it wouldn't be as bad. And sometimes it get worse. Well, probably you know a couple of years ago when it got like really, really, really bad, I went to counseling for the first time. Like I, I decided I would go see a therapist. This is something that people do. I've heard of this thing being a thing, um, and for me it was really this experience of going in and meeting with the ancient one. I don't think I had as much disdain as Dr. Strange, but there were new things being expressed to me and shared with me that I kind of had to set my old maps aside that I had accumulated. I had all these maps and it, I felt like in some ways my first therapist and I really lucked out, I had a really good one. Um, and I'm using this metaphorically, pushed me outside of my body into <laughs> my astral form. You know, um, I, I don't want people that are, that may come to me for therapy to think, oh, is that what Mike does with me? Is he kung fu me in the chat? <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm into that. But um, I, I use that as an analogy for new learning and seeing things in new ways. And some of the things that my therapist taught me 
when I first went to therapy was stepping into a new world for me. Mm. Now, what I do day to day to get paid with that is I get to sit with people. (laughs) That's so (laughs) good. As they share with me their story, as they share with me some of the maps that they've been given. And we explore together. And I, what I like to do in my day-to-day job is I like to create a non-judgmental space for people to share their story. And I found that as people share those things, they kind of find some new understandings as they travel through life. So I wasn't going to share. I'm a therapist by day. <laughs> so Although I didn't do that. Yeah. We haven't even said your name. Oh. <laughs> Mike. Mike. Most people call me Mike. <laughs> okay. So this non-judgmental place to hear people's stories. Do you feel like that was in you? Do you feel like you brought that with you here? Or do you feel, do you, I'd love to hear if, if maybe that's taught in training, the training that you've taken. Share anything around that. Mm -hmm. I would say one of the best things that I, I tell people this all the time. One of the best things that I got in my training going in, getting a master's in clinical mental health counseling was do no harm, right? Is that one of the best things that my program helped me do is be aware of my own biases, be aware of my own maps, be aware of my own conditioning so that I am not forcing that on another person and then I can allow them to show up as they are because I think you probably have met a lot of people in your life that as you sit with them and you start to tell your story they're going to interpret it through the maps that they've been given and one of the most helpful things to all my 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 program and my teachers in the program was to step back and not do that as much and that is a place that people don't get a whole lot in life. People don't get to just show up. And so, yeah, that's what I think my training has done for me. And then there's like introducing little therapy modalities along the way. And each therapist finds their own little therapist modality to fall into. But the therapist that I first met with, I I would say that he was probably your run of the mill cognitive behavioral therapist and was really good at being non-judgmental. And I remember him sharing with me, one of the most important things that he shared with me was one of the ways of getting out of your story is by practicing mindfulness and by practicing breath work and by practicing those things that I know that you guys believe in so much because I've listened to your podcast. And one of my Dr. Strange moments was I remember going to therapy. I still remember this very clearly to this day. I was going to therapy and he said, you know, a lot of times people can really benefit by understanding the relationship between what they're feeling and what their body is experiencing and differentiating those two and, and parsing them out. And so he taught me some breath work 
and I, and I became mindful of my breath in that session. And he was walking me through a mindfulness activity. And as he did that, I remember leaving his office and putting my hands on the steering wheel to go home. And for the first time, it was, it was, it was really that like I'm outside my body experience where I felt my hands on the steering wheel. I know that sounds really like not mind shattering, but when we get into a car, there are so many steps that we do on autopilot, right? We get into a car and we put the key in the ignition, we put our foot on the brake and we do all this because we've just been on autopilot for so long doing that same thing. And when, and that was interrupted. Hmm. And all of a sudden I realized this is it. This is what we call mindfulness is like to be aware in the moment, what you're experiencing in the moment. And that, that those, even those first little sessions of learning how to work with my breath were so helpful in getting me to that point. And that, be, that became a journey like Dr. Strange for me, like once he was in that he went into that and then he went back into his body and then he had to learn how to keep going there. I began this, I began this journey of trying to be more mindful and more aware in my life and understand my story more. So, yeah. And so when you went to the therapist, so that was like a pivoting moment for you. Like, when did you decide that this is what I want to do? This is, has helped me so much that I want to help people this way. So that was a discovery made then. Well, I've always been a person who, when I experience something that I feel benefits me or I get some benefit out of, I start like kind of looking over my shoulder and going, does anyone else want to experience this? <laughs> and again, not in the spirit of trying to force my nap on anyone, but in the spirit of like, I really like to share those things that have helped my life. Hmm. Yeah. I love that. So how soon after you started going to therapy, did you sign up to get your master's? That is a really good question. So after I was in therapy, I think it was still probably several years before I went into the program where I was licensed. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love a, a, just a life pivot. What were you doing before? So I was in religious education for years and years and years of my life. And I got to a point where that needed to change. And I think part of that, I think being authentic about myself, I think part of that was that in certain educational models, there's the getting up and the the telling people how things are. And that can be really good in certain settings, right? Like in the medical field and things like that. But I was, I, I what I mean by that, like you experienced some medical trauma around this, but like there's a time to be able to go, here's how to look at cells and here's how to read these kind of things. And I'm going to tell you how to do that. But I also, I have a very, I'm very partial to the idea of getting together with other people and holding something up and saying, what do you see? And let's look at this together. Mm -hmm. 
bring your understanding to this. And um, so I wanted to move into different kinds of educational settings when it came to that. Well, and I'm sure there was the, the keyhole and it was almost like you saw outside the keyhole and then you're like, I don't know if I can do this right anymore. Does that feel true? Yeah, like I think that's what I'm describing. I think that you said that really well, where I I grew up in kind of a, an educational system of like, here's what we're presenting this and you absorb this. And as I developed in my my learning and my growth, I felt like it, it resonated more with me to hold up something and say, what do we all see about this? And can we all learn from each other? And, and I couldn't continue to do that where I was. So you did that with Hannah and I, and is that, I'm curious about your experience and your excitement to share because I loved that you brought that with you and you're like, you guys, this is amazing. And I want to try to see this through your eyes. Was that your kind of goal? Well, I don't know exactly what my goal was, <laughs> but I think I was just, my goal was trying to be authentic and share. Like, I think of things very visually and I think of things where movies play out in my head all the time and TV shows play out in my head all the time. And I don't think that's the only way to see things in the world, but it just comes so naturally to me and I get excited about it that I figure I might as well lead with some of that since that is kind of how I see the world. Yeah, just bringing it <clears throat> your essence. Because if that's something that lights you up, people feel that. Josh and I felt that. We're like, yes, well, what did you bring? Let's watch this now. Can I show you another one? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Yes, please. <laughs> I will show you another one. Gosh, can you tell the sun is almost set? <laughs> it's three o'clock. Three o'clock, the sun is gone. You're no longer ducking. No, it was so bright and though it's... Gone. Okay, so a little bit of introduction to this. It, the reason why I wanted to share this with you is because along the way of being in the world of mental health, I realized that there's a lot of maps out there that help people heal, right? And two maps, especially that have been really helpful for me in my healing and a lot of the client work that I do is the map of EMDR and the map of internal family systems therapy. So EMDR and IFS. Are you familiar? You guys are familiar with EMDR? What does it stand for? I've heard of it. So EMDR stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. But that title has become a little bit of a misleading title over the years because there's a lot more in EMDR than just eye movements. 
EMDR is a trauma-focused therapy that really focuses on the idea that how we react to something in the present moment, like how we react, how I react to you, how I react to a situation, the building blocks of all of that has been given to me in my past and is causing me to react in a certain way. And so if something comes up in my life, it's going to bring up memories in my past that, and, and sometimes in ways that are really, really unhelpful. That's kind of EMDR in a nutshell. And so what we do is we seek what those memories are. We seek what memories have trained us to see things in unhelpful ways, and then we process them and get them to a better place. Internal family systems is, again, in a nutshell, the idea that we are a constellation of many, many different parts. And I like to mix these two ideas together where in EMDR, where we're focused on trauma, I think trauma creates these parts in us. So I am going to show you a clip where someone is wrestling with their parts. Look, you gotta ride together. If you don't sit on the back and hold on to the front, the whole thing falls apart. Oh, and who's holding the ramp? The turtle. Come on, it's faster than he looks. Oh, okay, here we go. You, uh, you coming? Nope, I can't do it. Never in a million years. Hey, hey, hey. I know your problem. You got a Bruno in your head. A Bruno? Yeah, I get one too sometimes. Alberto, you can't. Alberto, you're gonna die. Alberto, don't put that in your mouth. Luca, it's simple. Don't listen to stupid Bruno. Why is his name Bruno? I don't care. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Call him whatever you want. Shut him up. Say, Silencio Bruno. Silly. Okay, now, look at this. Look at how the animators have done this here. So this is mine. Do you see what it, the expression he has on his face? He's like kind of going cross-eyed and he's looking at this thing here. This is mindfulness in action, right? This is this is the benefit that we have when we bring more awareness and introspection into our life. He's like, oh, I have I have this voice in my head. And so now he's going to speak with this voice and have a conversation. Silencio Bruno! So again, Josh and Hannah, can, can you see yourself in that clip? Mm -hmm. What comes to mind for you? Like every morning waking up, having my ego be like, oh, let's just sit on the couch on your phone. And then, but I have to be like, quiet that because I got some, you know, some morning routines I got to get done. 
So it's, that's like an everyday occurrence. And I feel like softening that ego, that Bruno is, it's kind of a constant exercise for me. But being able, like that was a big aha moment when I was invited to be a witness for like during a breathwork session, the first time, just witness yourself and what is coming up. Like you are not your thoughts. You are not your emotions. You are just experiencing them. You're just thinking them. They're just passing through. So the first time I was ever able to separate myself out and witness what was present, that's when I was like, oh my gosh, I can, these are, that's when I realized that there are different parts of me and I can, it's just so much more manageable that way to be able to connect and talk to and allow for them to take up space, but then let them pass, mm-hmm. <laughs> let them take the back seat. Um, Bessel van der Kolk, the author of the well-known book on trauma, The Body Keeps the Score, he has this great passage in there that I like to read. He says, we all have parts Right now, a part of me feels like, he's writing this, a part of me feels like taking a nap. Another part of me wants to keep writing. Still feeling injured by an offensive email message, a part of me wants to hit reply on a stinging put down while a different part of me wants to shrug it off. Most people who know me have seen my intense, sincere, and irritable parts. Some have met the little snarling dog that lives inside me. My children reminisce with my playful and adventurous parts. When you walk into the office in the morning and see the storm clouds over your boss's head, you know precisely what is coming. That angry part has a characteristic tone of voice, vocabulary, and body posture so different from yesterday when you shared pictures of your kids. And then he says this, parts are not just feelings, but distinct ways of being with their own beliefs, agendas, and roles in the overall ecology of our lives. And so that therapist years ago who got me on that path of mindfulness and awareness, as I met with other therapists and I met with other teachers and other instructors, I started to learn not only to to notice like when my body is tense and stuff like that, but to notice like when I feel like a different person and what settings that's in and why that part of me is coming out is a great exploration for me. Josh, what what do you see in that clip? Well, I could feel a part of me worried because the sound wasn't coming through. <laughs> and then a part, you know, wanting to get it, get when you ask the question, mm-hmm. wanting to get it right. Like this part mm-hmm. that it's really important to be right. Mm-hmm. Um. And yeah, I very much relate with the hell. No, I'm not getting on the back of that bike. That that's a terrible idea. And then I saw that big rock and I was like, those children, what are they doing? Danger. <laughs> if my children were doing this. We'd have a talking with them. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Nobody taught me to silencio Bruno. <laughs> One of the things that I try to share with my clients too is that sometimes we um tell our bruno's silencio we tell our we need you to quiet down um 
But what I have found in my life more helpful is to sit down and listen to the Bruno when, when I have some time mm. and to bring some compassion and some, uh, and listening here, what is this part of me trying to accomplish? What is this part of me trying to do? Um, and a lot of those parts are just trying to keep us safe for sure. Right. That's a big thing I invite when I'm facilitating breath work is as we welcome our parts in, you know, if whatever, if you're frustrated with one of them for keeping you small or whatever the instance is, just thank them because they're there to keep you safe. They're trying to keep you safe. They've experienced something in the past that want you to respect that that's why they're there. So I love that too. It's like just respecting them for what they are and then letting them quiet a little bit. And to have a conversation with our different parts, right? Because a part of us that may want to keep us safe may have a really great point, you know, right? Every business venture has some potential loss there. Every relationship has the potential for breakup or hurt. But there's these deeper parts of us. Like in internal family systems, they call this the self. And the self is not a part. The self is more genuinely, like if you go deep, deep, deep inside ourself, it's who we are at our core. And parts are those wounded parts that come up and kind of eclipse the self. And so while they're trying to keep us from harm and they're trying to protect us, sometimes they're making, they're blocking us or keeping us from something more fundamental, more important for us, something very deeper level that we need. And that's when we need to say, hey, if there's another way to get the protection that you feel like you need, but still be able to allow me access to what my soul needs, can we have a conversation about that? So I really like that lens in my work of working from a trauma perspective and working from internal family systems and noticing my different parts. And it's been beneficial to me. Um, and I have so many wounded parts. So Mike, mm -hmm. this, uh, the podcast in general, Hannah and I have talked about taking it easy, taking it slow and easing into this. And then when we invite people on, we fully understand and expect their parts to show up. Mm. And it can be like, what will I have to say? I don't want to be on video. This sounds scary. This sounds vulnerable, you know, or any myriad of other thoughts. And, and we, Hannah and I really try to normalize that mm -hmm. and let them know that, you know, whatever they're experiencing and feeling is so normal so would you be open to sharing maybe our back and forth as i invited you on and the parts that came up for you and and our interaction back and forth mm -hmm. yeah i would be willing to share that be great um so like i said earlier one of the things that I've learned in my own work is that I have really deep wounds um, around showing up and, and being seen just authentically. 
Um, and so, although while I do like to share what's in my heart and while I do like to share things that I've learned, I've had a, a history of like, sometimes when I get really excited about something and where I show up like in that energy, some of people's reactions have been very hurtful to me. And I've learned an unhelpful lesson. I've learned this lesson that anywhere there's a range of anywhere where people are just not interested in what you're interested in. I learned that. But then also people will full on reject you and, and see you as a bad person when you show up and share what's in your heart. And so thanks for giving me the space. I'll get there. <laughs> Take all the time you need. No, I know. I know that you guys, I've heard you guys on your podcast. I know. Um, So here I am meeting with my clients every day, meeting with them and inviting them to lean in, inviting them to be courageous, to show up. And uh, and I reached out to Josh. Josh, I don't think I can do this. The parts are going crazy. <laughs> And what I received from Josh was so tender and so kind and so soft. And it was exactly the space um, that non judgmental space. And Josh just made room for it. He's like, that's okay. You know, that's fine. You know, I understand these parts are coming up. And I'd also worked with my parts enough to be able to step back. And I took a couple more days and in the, the parts, we all, we, we all got together and we just listened to each other. <laughs> we had a good talk, you know, the parts and I, and as we all kind of uh, came together, um, I found that my parts were able to settle down. But one of the things that I experienced on my end was needing to have the courage to let Josh witness that part. And then Josh to be able to create a non-judgmental space for that part. And then for me to take some of that into myself. Yeah. And uh, I think that's part of why, you know, I like being with people in their stories is because I think I kind of do that kind of naturally. Like when people show up and they have something to share, I'm like, I just want to know the part. I just want to understand what's going on. And that's been a real blessing for me. So yeah, that came up even with your invitation to be on the podcast. Parts with filled with a lot of fear.
and it's okay for those parts to be there. I witnessed, because I would get the texts or the phone call, <laughs> and I could feel like this, you know, concern, this frenetic energy, this worry. Mm. And I could also feel this strength underneath inside of you and this willingness to, to hold both mm. and that curiosity that it wasn't like I'm out of here. It was like, what is here? <laughs> and so mm -hmm. just reflecting back, you, you did lean in mm -hmm. And, and it, we had the, the conversation or the text, I think it was yesterday where it was just like how beautiful the experience before this even happened, the podcast mm -hmm. even happened, right? All, all the things that you learned. And I was learning too, by, by watching you learn and how like human it was for you to go through that and for for me to to relate and to understand and because I feel those things too. Yeah, it's interesting to reflect on how the fears that I had initially were replaced with excitement, which is interesting because Fear and excitement kind of carry the same energy um, in, in some ways. And so like when things started to shift, I like wanted to sit with you guys. I wanted to get I, like before I was like, no, 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 no. We need a couple more weeks. We need to let's just back up. But then it like shifted to I want to I wanna, like when I was texting you yesterday, I was like, I want to meet with him today. <laughs> I've experienced that, too, turning the fear into excitement. Cause like you said, it's that same texture. Mm -hmm. And then once you do the thing, just all the empowerment of like, Oh, I did that. I can, I can do anything. Mm. It just gives you that little push forward. Yeah. There's that fear. Like for me, I have a part that thinks that I have nothing to offer the world. And if someone else said that, anybody else that I've ever met said that to me, I'd be like, oh, that is like, no, like, of course, like everyone has a gift to the world. So to hear myself have that part, like I, I, it's so, it's so there, it's so real, that part, but I, you know, it, it makes me sad that I have it, but I hold that space too. And so I think we all have that part. That doesn't like what you know. What am I gonna say on a podcast? I the first time I was ever on one that came up for me too. Like, what am I even gonna say? Like, what do I have to offer? Mm -hmm. What do I have to bring to the table? Is how I usually word it. Like, that's always the one that runs through my head. Yeah, and that's what's great about your guys' podcast is that you invite that space of just like you show up and you've already brought the gift. Like, I know that you guys really believe that, <laughs> right? Um, and most of us, right, are working from this, no, 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 I need to create value. I need to, you know, do something different. I need to do something unique, right? And 
it's so different to go just by showing up, you create value and uniqueness. Yeah. You just show up. Yeah. And that's like the new line of code trying to get into my brain of like, just by showing up, this is enough. That's my, that was my whole mantra last week is this is enough. What I'm doing is enough. Maybe I'll do more when I feel ready, but right now it's enough. And that's just so comforting. Permissioning. Which isn't a word I just found out. Permissioning. Permission. <laughs> I typed it to somebody and I was like, why is that saying that's wrong? I thought that was a word. A good word. <laughs> and it kind of leads into that one other topic we wanted to talk about of um, a gentlelessness. Like not have like we always have this in, like this expectation. Oh, I have to be this good or this perfect for whatever the thing is you're trying to show up for. But and so part of my story is I quit my job last year, my job that I was doing for eight years, and I thought that was all I was good for and good at. And then when I signed up to do breath work. It's like, I want to help people this way. And I, I'm somebody that needs to go all in on something. Like I couldn't balance both my nine to five and trying to build a breathwork business. So when I went all in, I was terrified of doing like the anything, like just a one-on-one a -on -one session. When I finally got my first weekly class, I was terrified each time. But it's it was so freeing when I identified that I had a secret agenda in my mind of how it needed to go. I needed to have everybody have a perfect experience. I need one person to cry. I need, you know, all these things. And when I let go of that, so much fear was let go with along with it. So mm -hmm. just whatever happens is what's meant to happen. Whoever shows up is meant to be there. And however they experience it, it could be the first time they experience breath work and they're like, I don't know what that was, but at least they, had an inkling of something different, something new. And if that's mm -hmm. all I helped somebody do is experience something new, then my job is, is done. You know, I, as you say that, I was again, coming back to what I think the parts of me that were scared coming into this environment were, it's so easy for me to do that as a facilitator it's so easy for me to do that as a mental health therapist like i feel like i really allow like i, I have this allowing spirit like when people walk in the room but it's when you flip that switch and you're now like now i'm the one that needs to say something <laughs> that's sort of like ah that's that's tougher. Mm -hmm. I feel that. The thing that Josh, you say this all the time. You can word it better than me, but what is it you say when you're afraid of going inward because you're afraid of finding yourself or something? How do you phrase that? Yeah, I just think it's I think it's probably unique to each individual, but just that question of what keeps me from looking inside? I I was afraid of what what I was going to find would confirm what I thought was there. The broken pieces, the bad pieces, the 
And what I found was hurt pieces instead. Mm -hmm. That's so beautiful. Cause that's the resistance everyone has to doing inner work, but they don't know it. They don't know that that's what that is. It's interesting. I'm like, one of my parts is saying this is that if I was one-on-one -on -one with you guys, I feel um, like that would be an easy place for me to go. Like, I feel like I could open my heart to you. It's the it's the authenticity in the, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Among the unscreened masses, that feels really scary. Mm -hmm. Like there's certain people that I can really, really open up to and I'm glad I have those safe spaces and, and really be seen um, but I think, you know, as Brene Brown has said, not everyone has done the work to have your most, most authentic self. And in those settings, self-protection is actually really wise. If that makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, cool. you, you guys are very safe people. And you've done a lot of work to be there. That's a real tribute to you. That's awesome. It's a huge compliment. I think for me, it's introducing that compassion. If I can go there with myself, then I now, and Hannah and I had talked about this, that if, if I understand that all of the, the um, behaviors inside of me or trying to do something positive, keep me safe, get me love, get me, you know, allow me to belong. Mm -hmm. And that's true for everyone else too. Mm -hmm. And then if I can apply that inward and outward, that as soon as the judgment falls away, that's where safety gets to exist. I can see that, yeah. And you you called it the non-judgmental space, right? Mm -hmm. So, and Hannah and I have talked about this a lot, is the idea of safety. Mm. As a man, I didn't know what that was. I didn't know that was even a thing until a year ago. Someone asked me what it, it was a coaching call and she said what could I do in this moment to provide more safety and I checked inside for my parts and one of them was like well that question alone created so much safety just the asking of the question yeah and then it that simplified it. It wasn't like this big, like light the candles or, you know, roll whatever. It, it wasn't like this big production. It was like softness and curiosity 
-hmm. It's things that we as humans have already inside of us. We just haven't been shown or taught that safety is a thing and then what to do to really create it. Mm -hmm. See, now I'm just in that listening mode. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just receiving now. (laughs) (laughs) No, just, again, I want to reiterate how much I appreciate the experience, how much I appreciate um, experiencing uh, your guys' invitations, your guys' questions, and to reflect on what that brings up in me, that I, I'm, I'm really thankful. To kind of see what parts in there are still healing, I'm thankful for the the compassion that I and you guys can bring to those parts. And yeah, I'm I'm just very thankful for that. And we like to ask our guests if they have one message for our listeners in the world, what would that be? Super intimidating question. <laughs> <laughs> what parts are coming up now? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, what's interesting about that, I, I thought about that question and I, re- I really like the question and it's a tricky question for me because again, I work from this place of I don't know if there is one message for the world. Um, and I think one of the mistakes that people make in life is they they have certain maps that they're working from, which they see in part, and their their message to the world is their favorite map. And that and that's okay. That's good because as they share that, um, we get more maps to look at and we get things to explore. But as you know, working with each of your clients, I'm sure like what one person is working towards is very different than what, you know, a a little bit of this very appropriate medicine or intervention for this person is an overdose for another. But I think generally speaking, I, I think one of the things that I tried to share because I've had such a positive experience with it is, is, is being a listening person and learning how to listen to others and learn how to listen to yourself and to make space for all the parts. Um, I really do believe that that I know it sounds kind of greeting cards-ish. I know it sounds kind of hallmarky, but I do really believe that if we create the right conditions on the outside of us, then the inside of us knows where it needs to go. And I love watching that with the people that I work with. I love watching that with myself. It's just, you know, in the right setting, in the right environment, some of those things just, I think a lot of us are trying to look for something outside ourselves. But all those authors, all those podcasters, all those people out there, all those good teachers and guides, they're creating an environment where what most needs to happen 
inside us can come forth. And that's the healing experience. And so listen to ourselves and listen to others. I think that is, that's something I always come back to. You, you talked earlier about how that keyhole thing from the scene we watched really resonated with you, Josh. And one of the most keyhole widening things that has ever been taught to me is uh, it comes from the work of Brene Brown, where she teaches that one of the, the most biggest, most sacred truths out there is that everyone really, really wants to belong. Mm. So, you know, if someone's listening to this in their car, if someone's you know, listen to it on a walk or something. If you, if you were to look out with the frame of that person wants to belong and this person wants to belong. And the reason that someone does this and does that is that they want to belong. I think that is a very keyhole widening experience. Because we are all connected. We're all one. Yeah, it makes me think of, um, if I can end with a movie quote that I really, really like. Um, a lot of people mistakenly attribute this quote to C.S. Lewis. Because in the movie Shadowlands, the screenwriter has the character C.S. Lewis say this line. But to our knowledge, C.S. Lewis never said it. We just all believe C.S. Lewis should have said it. <laughs> uh, C.S. Lewis says, we need... We read to know we are not alone. Mm. And I think that's why I like stories. I think that's why I consume stories is to know that there are others like me and that, that I'm not alone in the journey. And I think that's why we listen to podcasts. And I think that's why we watch movies and TV shows. And that's why we listen to Taylor Swift. You know, it's to know we're not the only ones that have experienced heartbreak in that way. Right? Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Thank you for listening to the Deeper Awareness Podcast, where the journey of self-discovery and inner growth continues to unfold. We hope this episode has ignited a spark within you and inspired you to embrace a more conscious and authentic existence by looking within. If you enjoyed today's conversation, be sure to subscribe and stay tuned for upcoming episodes, where we'll continue to explore the transformative power of breathwork and emotional healing. Continue the conversation and stay connected with us on Instagram. Follow at Deeper Awareness Podcast to receive daily inspiration, valuable tips, and updates on our latest episodes and offerings. We'd love to hear your thoughts and insights from today's show, so feel free to share them in the comments below or tag us in your posts. Your engagement and feedback mean the world to us as we strive to continue to create content that resonates and empowers our incredible community. Together, we can continue exploring the depths of consciousness, fostering genuine connections, and supporting each other on our transformative journeys. This episode is brought to you by You Belong Breathwork, your destination for transformative healing and self-discovery. At You Belong Breathwork, we believe in the power of breath to unlock the deepest parts of ourselves leading to profound insights and a greater sense of connection and belonging. Whether you're seeking emotional healing, a deeper connection with yourself, or a path to authenticity, our breathwork sessions, retreats, 
and coaching programs are designed to guide you on this transformative journey. Our experienced facilitators are here to hold space for you as you explore the depths of your consciousness and discover the infinite potential within. Visit youbelongbreathwork.com to explore our offerings and download a free guided breathwork session. Thank you for being a part of our deeper awareness community. Stay connected, stay curious, and may you embrace your true essence with love and compassion. Goodbye for now, and see you in the next episode.